When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. <gasps> Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. I do welcome you to Christmas here at Cross Point. We celebrate the coming of the Savior Jesus Christ during this Advent season. There's so many facets of this story of redemption. This morning, we're going to explore Elizabeth and Zechariah and John. They actually play quite an important part in this story. So we're going to see how they fit in to this preparing the way for the birth and the life of Jesus, the Messiah. God was at work. And all parts of his perfect redemptive plan will culminate with our coming Savior. Let's pray. Let's pray. Oh, dear Lord, we come before you and... And we confess that this season sometimes, well, pushes you out. We, we would never admit that, Father, but it does. We have parties, and we have gift gathering, and we have wrapping, and, and we have, and the list goes on. 
Oh God, would we be able to, as your people, be able to stop, be able to pause, be able to relish what you did so many thousand years ago. Lord, to us, well, most of us, the story has been told. We've even acted it out. And it might just become, well, normal. I pray today, even as we start a new season in a most chaotic time, we pray, dear Father, that that you would show up in a new and a fresh way. We pray that you would use this pastor to be able to proclaim your word clearly and that the idiosyncrasies might be washed out. Father, your word is powerful. Your word is convicting. Your word is alluring in some ways. Draw us to yourself through your word today. And as the message, the good news goes out all over this area and our world, we pray that folks would come to you in droves, that they would see the Messiah, the one you sent because you loved our world. We love you, Father. We do. And we ask for you to teach us today. We pray these things in your son's name, his powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please turn with me to Luke chapter 1. You can open up your Bibles or your flat screens. And we're actually going to be covering quite a few scriptures today. And some of them will be on the screen and and some of them won't. As, As you'll see, we'll need to keep moving in some of these different areas. But the first part, Luke chapter 1, I'm going to start reading at verse 5. We heard it, the whole text, right in the beginning of our message. Chapter 1 from Dr. Luke, starting in verse 5. When Herod was king of Judah, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. And his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commands, commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. The first part of this narrative helps us understand about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Both came from families of priests. At that time, especially in the first century, it would be a position that Jews would highly esteem. In addition to this, they were seen as pillars of society. They had made God and his precepts a priority. Although there was great social reward, at least at that time, that came from being a couple who enjoyed a rich heritage and who modeled Jewish piety, there was still deep sadness and a great stigma associated with their lives. 
they had no children. Being childless during the first century brought sorrow and even at times shame. Folks even thought it might be God's punishment for sin in their life. But we know this isn't the case and we know that isn't true. Nevertheless, infertility carries painful emotions both in Elizabeth's day and even in ours. This story continues. Look at verse 8. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by a lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn the incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside this holy place, and they were praying. Again, let me give you a little bit bigger picture, which will help with some of the details here. King David, <laughs> thousand years before this, organized priests into ministry teams, which rotated all the way throughout the year. There were hundreds of priests on each team who would travel to Jerusalem twice a year. These priests would be on duty for one week at a time in order to serve the needs of the people who were coming to sacrifice and worship at the temple in Jerusalem. One of the more noble duties that happened twice during the day was the burning of incense on the altar inside the holy place of the temple. Priests would cast lots in order to determine who would get this honor and privilege. And truthfully, it probably would come only once in a lifetime. To us, it doesn't sound that exciting. But Back then, this was an extreme privilege. Well, Zechariah, as we are told, was chosen among the hundreds of the priests to light the temple incense. Then as you read, as was read to us, starting at verse 11, going all the way to verse 22, we find out as Zechariah was in there, an angel appeared. It, it shook up Zechariah. He had been prepared. He had been told by other priests. He knew exactly what to do, how to light the incense. Nobody, nobody ever mentioned the angel part. All right? So he was overwhelmed with fear, as each one of us would. Then the angel spoke. So the angel wasn't just there. The angel wasn't just glowing. The angel, and again, I don't know what an angel looked like, but it was startling. This angel started talking. <laughs> okay, don't be afraid. Good advice. Don't be afraid. Your prayers have been heard. God is responding to your prayer. You are going to have a son whose name will be John. Now, again, shocked Zechariah right there. <laughs> Way past the, the age of being a dad. 
And on top of that, the angel's telling me, I'm going to name my son John. That doesn't make sense at all right now. So two things, not making sense. Not at all. And then the angel said, there's going to be great rejoicing at his birth. John will be great in God's eyes. Can you imagine Zechariah just, just waiting? Just kind of grasping and, and trying to gather all these words in. I, I'm going to have a son. It's going to be a special son. Yeah, there's going to be rejoicing. Uh, man, our, yeah, you know, our neighbors just had a baby, but wait till we have our baby. Oh, my word. The party is going to happen. And John will be great in God's eyes. Wouldn't that be wonderful, honestly, if, if at the birth of our children, God would show up and would maybe give us a little insight well, you know what? That son of yours, Joshua, he's going to be great in God's eyes, Rick, Sharon. I didn't get that message. It would have been really good to hear during some of those years. I'm letting you know. We love him to pieces. And, and then my daughter, Kara, or, or you have Alicia. Wouldn't that be great? Hey, you know what? This girl's going to be a little bit ornery during those 13 to 16 years. But hang in there. You're going to be okay. They're going to still love Jesus, and they're going to be great. And then you can remember it in the middle of their four-year-old tantrum as they're throwing everything around and just causing grief. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I remember that angel part. <laughs> but Zechariah had it. How cool was that? Great in God's eyes. That, that is a dream for every parent to hear. Now, I do need to say this. That great is getting harder to distinguish from fame. A lot of times in our culture, just because somebody is famous, we automatically assume they're great. And, and that's not really true, as you know. What's really cool is that the angel said he's going to be great in the only thing that really matters, and that means in the eyes of God, in the sight of the Lord. <laughs> this guy, John, he's going to be set apart. There's not going to be any wine. He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you who understand the Old Testament a little bit more, this sounded like a Nazarite vow that some folks had, you can find that, or you can find it, no, you can find it in number six. But it also sounds like the Apostle Paul's writing in Ephesians 5, when he says, hey, don't be drunk with wine. Don't come under the influence of wine. Come under the influence of the Spirit. The only thing I want you believers to be under the influence, to be directed, to be intoxicated with, is the Holy Spirit. So it's not too much different here. But John, being set apart by God while still in the mother's womb, is, well, it's reminiscent of a few things. At least one I'm sure Zechariah thought of. It was about the prophet Jeremiah. God told the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1, verse 5, Jeremiah, I knew you. 
Before I formed you in your mother's womb, before you were born, Jeremiah, I, God, the Almighty, set you apart and appointed you to be my prophet to the nations. Oh. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 2, he said, Before I was even born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace that it pleased him to reveal his son to me, Paul says, so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. You know, these verses underscore God's sovereign choice of his servants to salvation, sanctification, and service. And the promise continues. John, John the Baptist, your son, will turn many Israelis to the Lord and have the spirit and the power of the prophet Elijah. Oh, many of you are mesmerized by Elijah. We find that in the last part of 1 Kings and the first part of 2 Kings. (laughs) That's confusing enough. But Elijah shows up and had some great power and authority. He was a praying man. He's a man that listened to God. And multitudes turned to God as a result of Elijah. So to have a son who would follow in Elijah's footsteps, again, this is pretty cool. This is amazing. Zechariah is getting it all in. And then he says this line. John will prepare the way for the Lord. John will prepare for the promised Messiah. This was prophesied hundreds of years ago before Zechariah walked into the temple. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, the prophet Isaiah says this, Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord, the Messiah. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. In Malachi, the last prophet that spoke right before Well, God was rather quiet for about 400 years before Jesus came. So the last last prophet said this in, in Malachi 3 and in Malachi 4. Look, I am sending my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. Look, I'm sending you the prophet of Elijah before a great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. The reason for John's greatness is that he was pointing people to the Messiah, to the Savior, to the one that would change all of our lives. It would change all of the sacrificial system. It would change all of our relationships with the Almighty God. It wouldn't just take one high priest once a year on the Day of Atonement to walk into the Holy of Holies and meet with the Almighty God. The Messiah would change that so that we would be able to come boldly into the throne room at any time. Oh, is this cool? John kept saying this, which made him great. He, God, Jesus, 
must increase. And I, John, must decrease. What made John great is that he understood his role. What made John great is this humble man kept pointing people to the Messiah. Understood. John's preaching was to have a powerful impact, turning the hearts of many back to the Lord their God. And remember, this was not an easy culture to be talking about this. Now, Zechariah didn't expect the messenger or the message. And this is going to be critical if you can just walk with me over these next few minutes. He heard God's word verbally. He heard it directly from an angel. Something, again, every one of us would love to have. Or maybe we wouldn't. Because then it might be too clear. But he heard God's word verbally, then questioned, and God judged. Now the Bible is filled with God's story. We learn about God in these scriptures. And if this is, if you're new to this journey and you hear this story, all of a sudden you go, well, that sounds a little harsh. I mean, come on, can't, God, can't you cut him a little slack? Well, when it came time for Zechariah to act, to rejoice, to praise God for all the things he heard. Zechariah doubted and questioned. You see, Zechariah was a man of God. He was a mature man of God. He was an older priest. He had studied the scriptures. He revered God in his word. And let me just say this, he knew better. And today, hopefully, these would be the folks in our congregation. This would be your pastors. And this would be your elders. These would be folks, again, that should have been walking with God and know God very well. Now, incredibly, Zechariah's initial fear of seeing the angel soon turned to unbelief. He expressed doubt and faithless distrust in God's word. Instead of being grateful, Zechariah reacted with skepticism. To doubt God's word and the reliability of God's promises to a man who has walked with God and spent time with God and knows God's word, it is a big deal. Now, technically, it's a big deal to everyone. Because anytime we take God's inspired, God-breathed word casually, and we only obey really what we want to obey, or we only listen to what we want to listen to when it's convenient, God's not pleased and we miss out. 
Now for Zechariah, as chastisement for his sinful unbelief. Gabriel declares that Zechariah would be silent and unable to speak until John's birth. Let me remind you again, Zacharias was righteous. He just wasn't sinless. Now this was even more of a big deal uh, in, in, in just a little bit, you'll probably see maybe his wife was happy about that for a little bit, you know. Oh, you know, Zechariah doesn't have to keep talking and talking and talking, you know. But realistically, this was a big deal because his priestly ministry, when he wasn't at the temple, was teaching in his village, teaching in the community about who God was, about the Holy Scriptures. And he wasn't able to do this. He literally, because of his lack of faith, his ministry was taken away from him. Now, now just a short time, granted. And, and actually, if you look back in the Older Testament again, in Leviticus chapter 10, you'll find some priests that didn't listen to God well, that kind of lit the incense poorly, and God struck them down dead at that moment. Yeah. So actually, Zechariah was treated graciously. He was. And given a chance eventually to, as you know, or as you'll see, be able to speak again. So eventually, Zechariah made his way out of the temple. Folks understood exactly he couldn't talk. Maybe something had happened. They didn't know. But because he couldn't talk, normally when you came out of the temple after lighting the incense, all the priests would give a traditional blessing. It's found in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 and 26. And you've probably heard this blessing. But a priest would come out after lighting the incense and say this. It was a blessing that Aaron actually gave many, many years before. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you peace. So because of Zechariah's behavior, he started missing out on some pretty important things. Meanwhile, as we learn, Zechariah travels home. He's only there for a week. And life was quiet in their household. Wasn't that good? Life was quiet in their... Okay, forget it. Life was quiet in his household. And this is where our clip picks up. Let's watch. What do you mean you can't speak? You put that down and talked to me, Zachariah. You went to the temple to burn incense, and now you can't speak. Because you doubted. <laughs> what does that even mean? You doubted what an angel told you. Oh, now it's all making sense. 
Are you feeling all right? Huh? Maybe you should sit down. Oh, I should sit down. Listen, whatever game you're playing, I really wanted to stop Zachariah. It isn't funny. This isn't funny, Zachariah. An angel told you this. The angel said that our prayers have been heard. That you, my love, will bear a son. will be filled with joy and gladness and that many will rejoice at his birth. <laughs> he will be like Elijah. He will prepare our people for the Lord. be a mother. And you, you can't even speak. Oh, you can't even speak until he's born. <laughs> oh, that might not be the worst thing. I can't wait to tell my cousin Mary. Call him Zachariah, yes? I'm not sure it exactly happened like that. But I think that was an amazing portrayal. Helps us relate just a little bit of how, how crazy this time was. Now God's story continues when another miracle happens during Elizabeth's six months. And you can read through Luke chapter 1. We're not going to hit those verses right now, but another angel appears, this time to a very young lady. Her name was Mary. <laughs> this story gets way better, and you're going to have to come back in the next few weeks to hear the whole thing. 
But let's fast forward to the birth of John. In Luke chapter 1, all the way go to uh, verse 57. And I'm going to start reading. Luke chapter 1, starting at 57. When it came time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zachariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? They exclaimed. There is no one in all of your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. Awe fell on the whole neighborhood, and the news of what happened spread throughout all the Judean hills. Everyone, everyone, everyone who heard about it, reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a very special way. Elizabeth gave birth and everyone rejoiced. As soon as the baby was named, Zechariah could speak. It was no doubt God continued to work. And the scripture says that awe fell on the neighborhood. Oh, really? Everything about this was special. You will not believe it, but this old lady just gave birth. Even that, she got pregnant. (laughs) Who would imagine? And not only that, the daddy couldn't speak for nine months. The guy is chirping like crazy. And on top of that, do you believe it? They named him John. Not even Zachariah. What is wrong with this family? Or there must be something special. And the awe curtain dropped. Then, in our text, the Benedictus. The Benedictus. Thank you, Rick. Basically, it's the scripture from Luke chapter 1 from verses 67 to 80. But at that moment, Zechariah was filled with the Spirit, and he gave this prophecy, and it's recorded for us here. Now, before I read it, I hope when I do, you feel the joy. You feel the excitement, the hope of Zechariah's words. In Zechariah's day, the Jewish people were eagerly awaiting the Messiah's arrival. They longed for him to come and to set up his kingdom and to restore their land, which was only part of the promises. Zechariah was a true believer in the Lord God and a student of the Old Testament Scripture. He knew about the Abrahamic and the Davidic covenants. Or promises. It would be awesome to maybe do a study of this and, and be able to dig down deep. But if I could just give it to you quickly, the promise that God gave to Abraham was that Israel was going to be great. And the promise that God gave to King David was that the Messiah was going to come in your household or through your lineage. 
Wow. Now this, as he concluded, which we're going to read in a moment, well, was filled with a magnificent hymn of praise. But right before he ended, he started talking about the new covenant. Not the Abrahamic and not the Davidic. But the new promises of God. Promising salvation to individuals. Promising salvation to sinners through faith in the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is the good news. This is the gospel, even today, that Jesus Christ came, was born in these humble surroundings so he could live and eventually stretch his arms out, be nailed to a cross to shed his blood to pay your debt and mine so we might be redeemed and restored. Now, with that Brief background. Let's read. Luke chapter 1. This is Zechariah just so excited. Starting at verse 67. Then his father Zechariah filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. The first part to verse 70 is talking about the Davidic covenant. He says, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. Note, this is in the past tense. Note that Mary was already carrying baby Jesus. Note that he was so sure, and I think he wasn't going to make the mistake of not believing God again. I, I don't think that was even part of it. He said, nine months without talking is enough. Nine months without ministry, that's enough. I'm going to really listen this time. And I think that's what's so cool about a godly man or a woman. Although they may fail at times, as they confess, they learn. And I think Zechariah, the older man, learned here. And then he said, he has sent us a mighty Savior. Sent. It's in Mary's womb. From the royal line of the servant David, just as he promised through the holy prophets long ago. Let's look at verse 71. Shifts gears just a little bit. Luke chapter 1, verse 71. And he talks about the Abrahamic covenant. The covenant says, hey, Israel's going to be great. Verse 71. Now we will be saved, Israel, from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant. The covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies. Counting on Jesus to do that very thing. So we can serve God without fear and holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And then to the new covenant. This is exciting. Verse 76. And you, my little son. Maybe he's holding John then. Maybe he's pointing to John. But with great authority, he says, you. You, John, you will be called the prophet 
of the mighty, of the most high, of the king of kings. Because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will prepare the way for the Messiah. You will shout that he is here. You will tell the people how to find salvation through the forgiveness of sin. This is good news. And because of God's mercy, verse 78, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. When Jesus said that he was the light of the world, he wasn't just kind of flipping out some casual words. This was something that was prophesied. And then in verse 39, or 39, 79, to give light to those who sit in darkness. And just so you know, even that word darkness, it kind of encompasses both ignorance and error. Now Jesus is going to give light to those who because of ignorance don't know about him, or those who choose not to know about him. And in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. The Prince of Peace. Another title given by prophets hundreds of years ago. Jesus will bring peace. Not a peace that's going to destroy the Romans, but a peace for each of us. Peace with God is a reality. John grew up, verse 80, and became strong in spirit. He lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry No wonder the joy, the praise, the excitement. Zechariah knew if the forerunner had just been born, right there, right before him, the Messiah's coming was imminent. Did he have goosebumps? Did he do a happy dance? Did he just start shouting? The Messiah that he's heard about all of his life. The Messiah that, well, the Jews had heard about for hundreds of years is coming. Now, the hard part was is they didn't understand what kind of a Messiah this was. Nevertheless, Zechariah was excited. Let me wrap up just this introductory story of God's amazing plans for his son Jesus. You see, Zechariah and Elizabeth were humble, righteous, obedient, and prayerful servants. We read that. But ministers who lacked faith at times. God graciously gave Elizabeth and Zechariah a son who would be the Messiah's forerunner, the one who would point people to Jesus. God's miraculous intervention in the lives of these two humble and righteous people leads us to the greatest of all the gifts. That's why the lights. That's why the celebration. 
The time of Christmas is an unbelievable time for those who are lost because they may be able to meet the Savior. For those who are part of God's family to absolutely rejoice in God's love and grace for each one of us. It's an unbelievable act by God. And we can thank Him. And we can praise Him. This story continues next week as we look at our coming Savior. Let's pray. Father, you are so creative. Father, you continually use people in spite of their relationship with you, in spite of their failings, in spite of their lack of faith, when they don't or we don't have any excuse. So we want to say thank you. Thank you, first of all, for sending John to shout everywhere that Jesus has come. We thank you for Jesus. Lord, it not only changed those folks in the first century, it changed, a relationship with him changes us today. Oh God, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your creativity. Thank you for your love, which was displayed so clearly. Lord, we love this story. May it never get old. Would you remind us over and over and over again how wonderful this story is? And and God, would we use it to point people to you? Would we point people to you well? Even this week, Father. And would you be glorified? Thank you for using a Zechariah and Elizabeth. You used them in the synagogue, in the temple. You used them in their neighborhood. And God, we want to be used like that. We love you. We adore you this Christmas season. In your name, amen.